This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's Full Focus Planner, a physical planner to help you plan your year, organize your days, and achieve your goals. Learn more at lead2.win slash planner. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're talking about a leadership trait that has kind of emerged as a superpower over the last few months. And I'm talking about the ability to bounce back when you fall down. And today we're going to show you how to get it if you don't have it. You know, this is really a vital capability for leaders right now. I know speaking for myself, when this crisis began a few months ago, you know, I and probably a lot of you kind of went into that power up mode. You know, we had all that adrenaline at the beginning. We were just going to bear down and kind of put in the hours and keep churning out the work until the crisis passed. And I say that in air quotes. Uh, Well, I think we all know at this point that that's just not happening because reopening is turning into almost as big of a challenge as working from home. And the health threat, of course, is still out there and the economic situation is still iffy. And if this is a marathon, it's almost like we're just kind of hitting the collective wall in a lot of ways. And that kind of crisis fatigue produces oftentimes slow or even no decision making, low energy and just kind of a creeping pessimism. A lot of leaders are really at a low point right now. Yeah, I've noticed this in talking with our clients and talking with people online. But here's the deal. There's hope. Leaders who can bounce back from adversity will always come out ahead of the game. And the truth is, If it's not a pandemic, it's something else. You're going to need this superpower, as it were, to just kind of get through life. The good news is this is something you can cultivate. And today we're going to show you how. But first, let's bring on Larry. Hey, Larry. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Larry. We're doing great. You know, as you were describing this moment, uh, Megan, it it kind of reminds me of what in in a novel or a movie they sometimes call the dark moment. You know, yeah. it's that right at the end of Act Two, you you thought the hero was kind of going to make it there for a while, and then something happens, and the bottom drops out, and it seems like everything is just lost. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you just a straight-up question, Megan. Did you face a moment like that when this crisis started? Yeah, you know, absolutely I did. I can remember, um, it's funny, I think the timeline for probably all of us feels a little fuzzy as we kind of look at it in retrospect. It's just sort of like all the days and the weeks blend together. But probably, I'm guessing about maybe in the second or third week, you know, that initial week, maybe two weeks was just all adrenaline and, you know, kind of felt like I could take on the world and we were going to beat this thing. And we had all these great ideas. And what was interesting is that over time, the news just kept getting worse. You know, I can remember specifically being on a, on a walk with Joel, my husband. Probably a lot of you were also taking walks every day. We were out on a walk after work, and I, I had a, a news site open, and I was like, honey, you cannot believe, like, what these headlines are saying. Like, it was just so horrible, you know, it so catastrophic. I mean, truly catastrophic. And I just thought, I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we're about to enter the Great Depression, or actually, I think we probably are. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to lay everybody off. I'm pretty sure we're going to lose the business. I mean, it was like a death 
tumble snowball you know I've talked before about Joel calls it my my doom spiral you know that I can do sometimes it was like that times a hundred and I was just pretty sure that the whole world was falling apart all at the same time and and I really struggled with that you know for at least a week or two kind of on and off a lot of anxiety at night a lot of not sleeping um, and you know it finally changed for me some things shifted but it was really hard I mean I think never before in my life had so many things been threatened simultaneously and it was a real test, that's for sure. Yeah, but the cool thing is you didn't stay there. No. I was getting a little bit concerned about you <laughs> because I saw this happening. And, you know, it's it's not that I'm any more resilient. I've just been through more right. challenges and lived through more. So I had right. a little bit more confidence in our ability to survive this. But something happened at some point. But I think the, the thing that leaders need to take away is that perseverance is an important part of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, this is something you're going to have to learn, something you're going to have to do. But even that's not enough. Some things are just too big to power through. And there are going to be times when your energy, your ideas, your optimism just get depleted and you can't just tough it out. You're running on empty. You've got to find a way to regroup, get refreshed and get back in the game. In other words, you've got to be a resilient leader. I think that's a really good point because I think as I look back, what I really tried to do in the first, you know, two to three weeks was power through. You know, I was really running on my own energy, my own adrenaline. I thought that, you know, it was a battle of strength and not a battle of thinking. And I think it became uh, much more of a thinking battle and a battle of, you know, acquiring these traits are really kind of growing in these areas that we're going to talk about today. Well, today we're saying that you can develop the ability to bounce back as a leader by cultivating these three traits. And trait number one, we're calling resilience, which is the ability to get back up. This one is so important. And I've said many times as I've been doing interviews on various podcasts that uh, survival as a business person is really not about your education not how smart you are, what skills you've cultivated, not the people you surrounded yourself with, not how great your product is. It kind of comes down to one thing, and that's resilience. So think of it this way. In the water, buoyant objects rise to the surface. I mean, think of trying to hold a beach ball under the water. I mean, you can hold it there, but it's eventually going to pop up. Your arms are going to get tired or whatever, and it's going to pop right back up. Well, resilient leaders have that same quality. They can get up again after a setback. So it's not that they don't fall. Resilient leaders fall. Every leader falls. But the question is, what happens next? So for example, Lincoln was defeated a second time in running for the Senate, yet he returned as a candidate for the presidency just two years later. Bill Gates actually failed in his first business. It was called Trafodata. That's right, Trafodata. (laughs) At his big product pitch, he couldn't get the device to work but he didn't give up on himself. Henry Ford's first auto company failed. Oprah, I love this story, was fired from her first job in TV as a news co-anchor. But the point is that each of them bounced back. And again, it wasn't they were so smart. It wasn't they were so brilliant. They just refused to fail. They refused to stay down. So you got to be able to rise above it. You got to be able to bounce back. 
I think that resilience also depends on confidence. And it's funny because this is definitely a situation that we've all just been through that tests even the strongest sense of confidence that somebody might have. But one of the things that I saw, um, I think, both in my own story and then I remember uh, a friend of mine who kind of faced with all these same challenges, kids out of school, having to homeschool, trying to figure out how to work, trying to figure out how to be safe, all those things, you know, just kind of um, lost his confidence and his ability to figure things out. It was like, you know, what, what was necessary was kind of the belief that I can fight my way through. I can figure this out. I'll come up with a solution that will work. And instead, in his situation, it was just kind of like, I don't know if I can handle this. I just don't know if I can handle it. And so what happened is he kind of crumpled under the pressure and it really took him about a week of being you know, sort of psychologically, like in a fetal position before he was able to regain a sense of uh, equilibrium and confidence of like, okay, I think I can figure this out. But but he kind of had a belief that he's just not uh, very good at handling things like this all at the same time, where he gets easily overwhelmed. And I think that's the opposite of resilience. Resilience, even if this is something you have to remind yourself of, and just speaking from my own experience, this is something I had to remind myself of um, and, you know, to some degree still do on a daily basis of I do have what it takes to get through this. Look at all the hard things I've been in before now and come out on the other side of, you know, look at what I've survived and how I figured things out. That's where I think that we've got to uh, face the reality that these are often limiting beliefs. Yeah. It's the stories inside our head. head. I just I just confronted one last night. So Megan, you were over because we had a, a birthday party graduation for your oldest son. And uh, I was showing you upstairs in the studio where I had done something yesterday that was pretty remarkable and I was pretty proud of. So I've been kind of upgrading my studio in the main house. And there was a, a chandelier that needed to be removed from the ceiling and a simple LED light put in. Well, in the past, I've had this story and I've told myself, I'm not very handy and I'm not very good with my hands. Right. And so about six months ago, I started in installing some Lutron systems, which is an electrical automated electrical system. And I just gained this confidence. And it was so amazing because literally in 30 minutes, I turned the electricity off, completely uninstalled that old fixture, reinstalled a new one. And I thought the only reason I'd never done that until six months ago was a stinking story that was living in my head. And I think as leaders, we got to confront those stories about you know, our ability to survive, our ability to thrive, whether we can figure stuff out or not. Because the one thing we know for sure, and this is the truth, all of us have a 100% track record on surviving our most difficult mm -hmm. days. You know, we've gotten to this point going through hard things. Every one of us has gone through hard things. And we said that before on the show, but I think it's it's worth repeating. I think that's really important because I, I think what we want to have is this deep-seated belief that no matter what, I'm going to find a way. 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 And to me, when I think about resilience, that's what I think of. I think of someone who, no matter what knocks them down, they find a way to bounce back up usually in ways they couldn't have ever foreseen, you know, but they, they just do rather than they just sit down and put their head in their hands and they stay stuck there. Not that you maybe don't go there for a minute, but you don't stay stuck there. So Megan, I love your point about this, depending on confidence. And that's so easy to see in others. It's sometimes a little bit hard to develop in yourself. What are some ways that, that we can cultivate that, that confidence, that, that optimism, that belief that we can prevail? I think this is probably starting to sound like a broken record, but I think self-care is really big because I know speaking for myself, my greatest crises of confidence come 
after approximately 9, 15 PM every night. <laughs> right. Exactly. So the point is if I get too tired, you know, if I have been stuck in my office and I'm not moving my body, I just feel like crap. If my blood sugar gets too low, I feel like crap. And I'm not able to kind of marshal the the physiological parts of confidence because my body is in a compromised place. So I think self-care is one of those things that we think of as being important to our bodies, but it's really our bodies support our thinking. And so that's one of the most basic places you can go if you're struggling with this is ask yourself, are you getting enough rest? Are you nourishing your body? Are you moving? And if you're not then you probably need to look at just some really basic things there. Um, I think the other thing is camaraderie. You know, that when we're alone, the stories in our head kind of go unchallenged and we're isolated and they feel very, very true. And sometimes the best thing you can do is pull somebody else into that conversation, whether that's your spouse or your therapist or a coworker or even your boss or your business partner, um, and just sort of say, gosh, I have this thought in my head right now and it feels really true and I just like need some outside input you know for that I actually had this conversation today with somebody that works for me and it was just amazing to realize and I have done this so many times myself you can kind of get this belief in your head that's not true and if it's not challenged by somebody outside of yourself it can take root and really be debilitating to you okay so one of the little disciplines that I try to practice and it's one of those things that doesn't mean that much when you do it the first time, but if you'll develop the habit I'm about to share, this can be a game changer in terms of your confidence. And that is start cataloging your wins on some yeah. kind of disciplined, regular basis. Now I happen to do it two times a day. So I do it when I'm journaling. I have a, one of the questions I, I have in the full focus journal is, you know, to, to list my three top wins from the day before. That helps me when I when I do that in the morning, first thing, to just remind me that despite the fact that yesterday may have been a total bust, maybe it didn't go the way I wanted, maybe things didn't turn out like I'd hoped, but there were probably still, even in the midst of that, some places where I was winning, where I did achieve. And then at the end of the day, as I'm lying in bed with uh, Gail, one of the things we like to do right before we go to bed is hold hands and ask each other the question, what were your three biggest wins for the day? And just that little thing over time, by the way, that second one I learned from Dan Sullivan, mm -hmm. but just doing that over time, you know, is fantastic. That has been a, a game changer for us because it forces you to focus on where you're winning. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're losing. That's usually pretty present to you. But where you're winning is something you forget. You know what's interesting about doing that? Um, that's also baked into the weekly preview process of the Full Focus Planner, you know, where you start by listing your top five wins for the week. Uh, first of all, whenever I do that exercise, normally I do that on Friday afternoons before, you know, I'm off for the day. So I'm really ready for the weekend and the, the next week. I almost always have to look back at my planner because I, I can easily remember the things that didn't go well, but it's very difficult for me to remember the things that went well. And if I just take the perspective of what I can remember, besides usually being negative, I can only maybe come up with one or two great things. But as I start flipping back through the week in my planner, I'm like, oh my gosh, that happened. And that happened. And that other thing happened, you know, and I feel so confident as I'm thinking about planning the next week because all of a sudden I'm reviewing all these things that went well. And the truth is that remains true no matter how bad the week was. You know, very often I'll have a week where something really won't go well and I'll be frustrated about it and it'll kind of color the whole week. Even still, when I go back and look at those wins, there are still three or four great things that happen no matter how bad, in air quotes, you know, that I think the week went. 
So trait number one that you need to develop in order to bounce back as a leader is the quality of resilience, and that depends a great deal on cultivating your confidence. Let's move on to trait number two, which is flexibility, or the ability to adapt to changing circumstances. This is so important because one of the things that happens to us when we get under extreme stress, for most of us anyway, is that we tend to get really rigid. You know, we, we don't want to be flexible. We're trying to find certainty. And so we become um, abnormally rigid about things that normally we wouldn't even care about. And that does not serve us well. If you kind of think about a uh, a big tree during a storm, you know, high winds, kind of what that looks like. The tree has deep roots that enable it to bend every which way so that it doesn't break. And that's kind of what we want our posture to be like as we go through storms, just like the one we've just been through, like all the ones that we're going to go through for the rest of our lives. We want to be able to be flexible. The funny thing about this is this does not come naturally to a lot of us, and that would be uh, true for me too. So in fact, on the StrengthsFinders uh, assessment, my number 34 strength, so out of, out of 34 possibilities, the one that is the lowest for me is adaptability. That's kind of their word for flexibility. Flexibility. I am not naturally flexible, at least according to that assessment. But one of the things that I've learned is that there's so much power in flexibility. When, you, when you're able to kind of bend and shift and move, the possibilities open up before you. So I've really kind of learned to embrace the, the idea of flexibility instead of fight it, which I did for a lot of my life. Well, you won't be surprised, Megan, to know that uh, adaptability is my 34th strength as well. Whereas for your mom, it's really high up there. I know. You know, I can't remember which number it is, but she's like totally roll with the punches, go with the flow, all that stuff. Me, I'm a little bit more rigid, but I do think I'm resilient. So there's hope for you if you feel like you are uh, non-adaptable. You know, it just comes with with uh, time. But I think one of the things that's important is that flexibility really depends on vision. In other words, it's easy to be flexible when you kind of have a, uh, a a point of focus that's out on the horizon that allows you to flex in the middle of whatever you're going through. So that's kind of like vision. Vision is about the destination. It's where you plan to be three to five years from now. And for most of us, I don't care what kind of business you're in, for most of us, and not everybody, but for most of us, our vision hasn't changed. But strategy most certainly needs to change. And so in the midst of the pandemic, for example, when everything changed, we had to adjust our strategies. Now, the vision at Michael Hyatt and Company hasn't changed. We just read it to all of, all of our teammates the other day in one of our all-team meetings, and nothing's really changed. But the strategy, that's changed because the strategy is about how do you get from here to there. So if you're willing to be rigid or tenacious in terms of holding to the vision, but flexible when it comes to the strategy of how you get there, then all of a sudden it's just like it's just like a roadblock. You know, it's something that requires a detour. Not a big deal. Stay focused on the objective. Michael, as you're explaining that difference between vision and strategy, I was thinking of Ernest Shackleton, who, if of anybody, may be the most resilient leader we could name in that uh, endurance expedition that ran into so much trouble in its quest for the South Pole. Shackleton said this, and if I'm not mistaken, it came shortly after his ship was crushed by the ice and he was stranded there on an article. He said, a man must shape himself to a new mark directly. The old one goes to ground. In other words, you can't be stuck on the old objective. 
when it's gone, it's gone. You got to be flexible enough uh, to change and see where you need to change to keep moving forward. This is one of the reasons why I like to watch sports documentaries. I'm watching the Michael Jordan one right now, or to watch football, you know, ones. I mean, in sports, inevitably, you've got a plan. And I think it was Muhammad Ali who said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and I mean, it's true. That's just life. I don't care what it is. You know, you think this marriage is going to be easy. You have a picture of it and then you get married and now all of a sudden you have to be resilient because it's not quite as advertised or you have kids. You think, oh, what could be better than have a little baby? And then you meet some challenges along the way. Same thing with business, same thing with your health. Everything is like this. So it's, it's you either learn to bend and adapt or you break. I mean, those are kind of the only two choices. Well, Michael, I love that quote, but I should point out to you it was Mike Tyson and not Muhammad Ali. I knew that, but I wanted to give you a chance to jump in here. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So trait number one that you need to cultivate in order to become a leader who can bounce back, resiliency. Trait number two, flexibility. Now let's talk about trait number three, which is ownership or the ability to take charge of your future. You know, I really saw this as the pandemic began back in March. You know, as problems began to multiply, as things were changing on the ground quickly, you know, a lot of people kind of slipped into passivity. They had that kind of the deer caught in the headlights kind of look, and they didn't quite know what to do. And all of a sudden, maybe they had been designing their life and their business, but now all of a sudden they're just kind of drifting. And you might start thinking to yourself, particularly as you get past the first wave, how many setbacks can we take? You know, it feels like you've lost control and you end up, if you're not careful, becoming reactive rather than proactive. And that's the opposite of what resilience requires. So you got to begin thinking about how can I take ownership of this? How can I own this so I can change the outcome? That's kind of the essence of resilience. And what you really need is extreme ownership, to quote Jocko Willink's term, which he uses in the book by the same title. But this is the determination to find a way forward no matter what, that you're not going to leave it to the government. You're not going to leave it to somebody else to bail you out. You're going to take responsibility for your own outcomes, for your own future, for the survivability of your business and your life. You know, um, this reminds me of a funny story that uh, happened to our family a couple weeks ago. So my kids are in therapy. We're big believers in therapy, you know, at our house. And a couple of my kids have some pretty significant past trauma. So we're we're in therapy. We're talking to our therapist. And she's telling one of my boys, you know, that was complaining about, like, how much it just stinks that this virus is still around. They can't play with their friends. And, you know, they had to get out of school early, which meant they missed this field trip. And, you know, they're kind of cataloging all the things that were the problem. And, they, and and she said, well, what are you going to do about that? And and one of my boys said, well, I'm just going to wait, you know, and hope it'll be over soon. And she said, wait, this could be around for another year. You know, we're it's not going to be over until there's a vaccine and like all kinds of things have to happen. Our life's going to be altered. And she said, you've got to start figuring out how you're going to live your life in the middle of this pandemic and get going because you can't sit on the sidelines and just wait. And I thought I'm like taking notes myself. You know, I'm not even thinking about my kids at this point. I'm just thinking, what are the ways that I have been waiting and I need to get going? You know, I thought about 
about date nights. I thought about, um, you know, certain parts of our business that uh, maybe we hadn't adjusted as much as we needed to. And the truth is, none of us are guaranteed this kind of moment when the clouds clear and everything's easy and everything just lines up. We have to get going no matter what the circumstances are and just find our way through and, and really put it on ourselves to come up with a solution rather than the external environment, which, Dad, I think is what you're talking about here, kind of the opposite of ownership. Yeah, and I think it's easy in any situation, if you're not careful, to become the victim. Right. And and to think that everything's acting on you and you can't take responsibility. You start blaming other people. You start blaming the government. You start blaming whomever. But that's not really what leaders do. And that's not certainly not what people that are resilient do. You've got to take responsibility and say, look, despite all this stuff that's happening, there's always environmental considerations that are against you. I'm going to take responsibility for what I can take responsibility for, own my response to whatever happens, because that's the one thing I can shape. And it's enough. You know, that's that's going to be enough to get you through. If you take responsibility for the things you take can take responsibility for, that's going to be enough to see you through. I think that is also very empowering, Michael, mm-hmm. when you stop thinking that you're a victim of circumstances. And maybe makes it a little bit easier emotionally when you say, I have some choices here. I can make some choices. Well, it's one of the things that I've learned to do when I've failed at something, whether it's, you know, getting fired by an important client, like what happened to me back in the 90s, and just finally getting to the place. I mean, initially blaming the client, blaming his organization, blaming all kinds of things, but finally getting to the place where I could say, you know what, there were some things I could have done differently. I have to own this one. And when it really comes down to it, no, he wasn't perfect. No, he didn't do all the right things, but that doesn't matter. I could have made a difference. And if I could go back and do it differently, I would have, which just proves that you have agency. If you could ever look back on a situation and say, I could have done something different, then that means you had agency, which is good news because it means that you have the power to change things going forward. Well, today we've learned that you can develop the ability to bounce back from difficult situations by cultivating these three traits as a leader. Trait number one is resilience, which depends a great deal on your self-confidence. Trait number two, flexibility, which requires a strong vision. And trait number three, ownership, which depends on having a sense of agency. So what final thoughts do you have for us? When I think back on what we've all been through, and I think about uh, how stressful it's been, how challenging it's been, all the anxiety we felt, I sure hope that that is not wasted. You know, I think that's one of the things I kind of had a realization about early on. Okay, like I can't control when this crisis ends, how it ends, the decisions that the government makes, the decisions that my neighbors make. But I can decide to get something out of this. I can decide that this is going to be valuable, that it's going to be transformational for my own leadership and for our company. And that commitment has really paid off. You know, I think when we have that frame of mind, when we have those eyes to see, all of a sudden now, instead of obstacles everywhere, we see opportunities everywhere. We see opportunities to grow. We see opportunities to innovate. We see opportunities to improve relationships inside our companies and outside our companies. Um, And so I guess that would just be my encouragement to you. If maybe that's not something you've thought about, if you've spent a lot of time feeling frustrated or discouraged even, all of that's normal. But I think today you can make a decision that 
that this crisis is not going to be wasted for you, no matter what the impact, how negative it's been in your life, that you're going to learn from it, that you're going to take this kind of nugget, uh, the sand and the oyster, so to speak, and make it something beautiful, something that's valuable in your life. Um, I think it really can be. And I think we're all going to look back on this time and think that was really a defining season for my leadership, for my company. And while I wouldn't want to go back, I sure wouldn't want to trade what I got out of it either. So good. I'm not sure I can add much to that. But I think that most of the crises that we go through are not about what's happening around us, but what's happening inside of us. Mm -hmm. And if we can learn to see life as a gymnasium where we go to train and where things come to us that we need in the moment, I'm not saying everything is sent to us on purpose, but if we can learn to be resilient enough and respond to the things that we do encounter almost as if it were a training event to make us better and if we do become better, then all of a sudden life is is not something that we resent or something, you know, the, the hard things are something to be avoided, but there's something to be embraced, something that can make us better people. And at the end of the day, I think that's that's what I want to be. It's not going to be the stuff I've accumulated or the businesses I've built, but who I've become in the process. And there's no situation in life where you can't become better, even in adversity. Well, Megan and Michael, I thank you both for this powerful message that you're giving. It applies to so much more than the current crisis. So many experiences in life, and these are really powerful concepts. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you guys right here next week. But until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's Full Focus Planner, a physical planner to help you plan your year, organize your days, and achieve your goals. Learn more at lead2.win/planner.